Hey everyone, welcome back to the Mr. Sitter Show. I'm Anthony Lacascio, I'm your host. What's going on? It's day two of this big World Cup rally that I've decided to engage in watching all the games here from sunny Australia and it's day two and I'm already tired as fuck. Uh, so I hope y'all appreciate it, but um, on the on the topic of appreciation, I thought that I would just mention that I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Um, I, I look at the numbers. There is, give or take, 40-odd people that are, that are currently following along, listening to these episodes, and it's the World Cup, which means the coverage is just, it's everywhere, and you guys have so many other options. So thank you genuinely so much for hanging with me. Uh, I really appreciate it. It's... Um, it's it's motivation enough for me to keep doing this. Having said that, last night was tough, man. Last night was uh, it was, and it's not even it wasn't even one of those four game evenings. That's that's coming tonight, but we'll chat about that in a little bit. Um, I also feel like I should apologize for the very poor, very in poor taste joke that I made yesterday uh, about the man with no legs that appeared at the uh, the opening ceremony. Um, Sorry, you know, sometimes you swing and you miss. And uh, TikTok, in particular, let me know just how insensitive I was. There's a lot of comments uh, calling me uh, a bastard, uh, not a real man hiding behind a fake beard. Um, and that that really cut me that cut me deep. Uh, also, a lot of comments about um, how racist I am, which have appeared on any video that I've done recently where I even so much as mentioned the Middle East or anything Middle Eastern, and I don't recall saying anything racist about the Middle East. Um, so I think um, I think there's bots involved here. I think the Qataris have set up bots uh, to strike um, to strike down upon anything that even mentions uh, the Middle East and Qatar in particular in any kind of seeming derogatory way. I didn't at all. I just said the, the, the opening ceremony was weird, which it was. So, uh, bots, fuck you if you can understand that. Um, okay, fuck it. Let's talk about the games because there were three and we got to just crack into it because I don't want this to go for too long. I'm going to take up too much of your day. I appreciate whatever time you spend with me. Uh, England-Iran was the first game. Um, and there was a there was a bit of a bit of a political backdrop to this one, uh, even in the even in the the moments, the hours leading up to it, because the uh, the European captains were all supposed to wear the uh, LGBT supporting One Love armbands, uh, and then for whatever reason, uh, a few hours before FIFA kind of issued a statement saying you're not allowed to wear them, or or you can, but you may well cop a yellow card. Uh, so. You've got Harry Kane and Virgil van Dijk electing to not wear these, even though they had previously agreed to do so um, for fear of, of copying a yellow card, which, I mean, I don't think we need to talk about how fucked it, 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 it all is. Um, you know, it's one thing to have a nation that has certain customs, but it's it's quite another thing to specifically ban a, you know, a participant of the World Cup from 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 voicing this kind of support for a community um it's one thing to kind of say this is this is how we feel about things uh and you know we're, we're sitting back it's quite another thing to enforce it uh that sends a, a that sends a hateful message that sends an offensive message uh so fuck them fuck them hard fuck fifa hard uh yeah let's um 
let's let's you and me, whoever's listening, let's start a new world football organization and we'll put on the next World Cup. Because FIFA cancelled, man. FIFA cancelled well before me. They did so much worse than what I did on TikTok. Um, the uh, the Iranian players did not sing the national anthem uh, as a, uh, a consequence of the big political situation that's happening in Iran currently um, with the uh, the sort of women's suffrage that's happening there. Uh, and I I spoke about this in my preview episode. I thought that that situation would act as impetus to spur this Iranian team on to make them perform really really well. Uh, turns out it was the total fucking opposite. Um, I will say, uh, spoiler alert, I'm still 100% in terms of my calls as far as results go. Uh, I've gotten a few of the scores wrong, but I, my results, I'm 100%. Uh, however, I did think Iran would put up a much better fight. They played with absolutely no intensity, and they got absolutely fucked. Uh, <laughs> their keeper went down pretty early on uh, with a pretty nasty collision with one of the defenders when it was still nil all. Uh, and he was down for a long time. I don't know exactly how long he was down for, but they did um, they did award 14 minutes of stoppage time at the end of the first half in this game, which would kind of become a theme of the evening, just an exorbitant amount of stoppage time. But we'll get to that when we when we go into the next games. Uh, England won 6-2, and it was pretty comprehensive, and I don't think a lot of people predicted England to come out and be that good because of how they've approached tournaments in the past. But there seems to be some evolution in Gareth Southgate's game, guys, because not only did he go with uh, a less conservative four at the back, uh, including Luke Shaw and Kieran Trippier as the right and left back, uh, but for the first goal, you saw Jude Bellingham, who scored uh, Teenage Sensation. We all love Jude Bellingham, blah, 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 blah. Uh, He scored because he came up uh, and joined the attack when Harry Kane drifted and the ball went out to the wingers. Uh, which meant that it was only Declan Rice that was sitting back, which is not what Gareth Southgate has done in the past. Usually he'll have um, a Calvin Phillips or somebody somebody of a similar profile sitting next to Declan Rice, and they both kind of sit back and they let the attackers just kind of go for it. The fact that Drew Bellingham came up to score that goal, uh, growth on Gareth Southgate's part and growth on England's part, and let's hope that it continues against a better opposition. Uh, Bukayo Saka, great game, scored a brace, first goal, crisp as shit, volley, second goal, cut in, make the space, smack it, uh, Bukayo Saka is a really good player, and I would like to hope that in this tournament, he gains a modicum of retribution, not only because Giorgio Chiellini still has got a handful of his shirt from the Euros, but also because of the horrible, vile abuse that he received in the wake of uh, missing the penalty that won England the Euros. So, go Saka. And you know what? I've said it a couple of times before that I don't like Jack Grealish, that I think he's a fucking douchebag. That still applies, but I liked um, I liked what he did in this game. Uh, for those that don't know, Jack Grealish was approached um, in a kind of uh, training center scenario by a Manchester City fan uh, with cerebral palsy. Jack Grealish's sister apparently has cerebral palsy. Um, and the the fan gave Jack Grealish this cool celebration and said, if you score in the World Cup, you got to do it. And Jack Grealish said, yes, I will do it. And he did it. So good guy, Jack Grealish. Now, I got to admit, uh, I found this game kind of boring, uh, even though there were so many goals. You know, you hear about all the footy and basketball fans are like, oh, f- f- football's boring. This is only like one goal game. Where are the goals? It's all about the goals. 
yeah, um, sure, the goals are nice. Uh, but I think a combination of the fact that I don't like a lot of the England players. Uh, Harry Kane had one hell of a game here, by the way, guys. Um, and, you know, I, I like Mason Mount, I like Saka, I like Declan Rice, but I don't know, I just, I'm overexposed to the Premier League, so I'm, you know, the, these England players, I'm like, okay, what's next? But also, the nature of the performance by Iran, it was it was a boring game, it was like a foregone conclusion. It was, uh, it was kind of emblematic of, of what, the, what the tournament I was expecting, which was a clearly outmatched team holding on against a much better team, which is what happened in the Ecuador game against Qatar, and it's what happened here. Thankfully, that is not how the script would go in the next game. Uh, the Netherlands versus Senegal. What a match. I fu- I loved this match uh, um, top to bottom. This is the game that I was somehow most awake for, even though it was 3 o'clock in the morning. Uh, and it was a different dynamic to, to those other games in as far as it was two world heavyweight class boxes throwing haymakers at each other and both of them struggling to land that knockout blow uh you could you could just tell the gravitas of the matchup from the captains shaking hands and doing the thing with the refs because it was Kaladu Koulibaly and Virgil van Dyke. and when I saw them shake hands I was like holy shit like imagine a, a centre-back partnership of those two guys the, the, the weight of the match was just so stark at that moment. And I just couldn't help thinking, like, if I'm, the, if I'm the POV shot of, like, an assailant that was running onto the pitch to assault that group of referees, no chance I'm getting through that back too, man. They, they just looked strong, man. The chests, the shoulders, the height, the confidence in both men's faces. That was sick. That was sick to see. Um, what was not so sick to see for me at least is uh you know when you like you know when you like bump into your ex at a, a when you weren't expecting to and it's um it's like a bit sad and it's a bit awkward that's exactly how i felt when i saw that and matthias delict was on the team sheet uh for for the netherlands because usually it's Jurian uh, timber who plays in that right center back role um but it was delict today and when i saw that he was playing you know the last time that i haven't seen Bayern munich play this season so the last time i saw him play uh was for juve and i was very sad um, to see him play until, of course, he made a mistake almost immediately, uh, giving the ball away to Ismail Assar. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's fine. Cool. Uh, I hope you're enjoying your life. Uh, and Ismail Assar gave him the runaround all day. Um, and I thought De Ligt was actually the weakest of the Netherlands centre-backs in this game. Van Dijk was pretty good. And Nathan Ake was really good. The passes that guy was spreading around so cool to see. So I thought Delict was just quite poor. Um, I, I, I always like to judge a team based on the coolness of the coaches. Um, I don't know why. It's just it's just a thing to me. I like it when a coach dresses cool. I like when they've got swagger about them because I feel like the team embodies the swagger. And when I see Elias Cisse, uh, dreadlocks, the the tra- the hoodie, um, like just like looking super duper cool uh, and the, the way he kind of gesticulates on the sideline, he's awesome. And I thought to myself, well, there's no way that, you know, Louis van Gaal is going to out-cool this guy. Uh, but then, of course, I had forgotten that one of Louis van Gaal's assistants is is the effervescent Edgar Davids, uh, the coolest man in football history. He's He's got that eyesight problem, so he's wearing the, the Sunnies 
even when he's sitting, uh, you know, in, in nighttime in the stadium, not playing. Uh, if he had worn the goggles, I think that would have been so much cooler. But just seeing him, I was like, all right, Sissé, you've lost this round. I'm sorry, my friend. Uh, better luck next time against Gareth Southgate, which uh, shouldn't be much of a competition. I also found it funny looking at the bench that uh, Remco Pazvia and Savvy Simmons were sitting next to each other, who's like 38 and 18, um, respectively, and very much look so. It was, it was very much like a, like a dad taking his son to a match uh, dynamic, which is very funny. Uh, both teams... Super well-matched, super confident. It was back and forth. Uh, they both had a very distinctive way of playing uh, and there were no frills to, to their game plans. They just were two blunted weapons. Um, a lot of chances went begging in the first half and uh, towards the latter stages of the second half. And I think you can attribute that to Sadio Mane and Memphis Depay not featuring much in this game. Uh, Depay did come on for Janssen, who was shit, to be honest, he was he was pretty ineffective. Um, both teams had really effective build-ups. Uh, the interplay and the spreading of the ball, the movement of Senegal, uh, they're, they're, they're a top team, man. There's a reason why they won the AFCON. Uh, Koulibaly was fantastic in this game. I had predicted that he wouldn't be very good because he's not been very good for Chelsea this season, but he was great in this game. Um, and it's a shame they had no one to finish off their chances because um, they could have easily gotten a result here. But the result that I did predict um, did come to pass. Uh, the Netherlands build-up was really good. I thought Cody Gakpo was awesome, not just because he scored the winner, but because he is a winger, uh, but he played as an attacking midfielder in this game, and he was popping up everywhere. He was creating chances. I mean, even when he'd like dribble the ball into the corner into a really tight angle, he'd find a way to get a dangerous crossaway. This guy's a really good player, and uh, I imagine we'll be seeing him in the Prem at some point soon. Uh, the second half was marred with heaps of giveaways, especially from the Netherlands. Uh, and Frankie de Jong in particular gave the ball away quite a few times, which was um, which was strange because he's normally really good in possession. Uh, but he did get a good handful of possession uh, a little bit later on when Czech Kuyate went up for a header and de Jong palmed him, like proper palmed him in the ball sack, like, like a Haruken full straight arm, palm in the ball sack and then after that uh, Kuyate was down for ages and you thought wow how powerful is Frankie de Jong's palm but it turns out that he had actually tweaked his knee or something on the way up and the, the palm was just subterfuge for what happened um, but uh, it wouldn't be de Jong's final uh, contribution to the game because um, depth would eventually tell for the Netherlands they would manage to bring on a few really important players uh, not just Depay, but uh, my boy uh, Toon Cup Miners, who is an excellent, excellent box-to-box action midfielder uh, playing for Atalanta, and he injected a lot of energy to the midfield, which resulted in De Jong's glorious assist uh, for Cody Gakpo's header, which ended up being the winner. I saw a lot of people saying that Mendy made a mistake in coming out for it. I, I don't think he did make a mistake. He was just he was just beaten to the punch. It happened. He was beaten by a quicker and more decisive um, player, there's no way that he shouldn't have come for that ball, and he he made every attempt to get it. It's just it was the the, the ball in was too good, and the movement from Cody Gakpo was too good. Shit happens. Uh, Senegal unfortunately losing to the Netherlands as I predicted, and next up uh, it will be Ecuador versus the Netherlands and Senegal versus Qatar. 
So you assume that Senegal are going to get a result that they need. They're going to be on three points. I'm very intrigued to see the Ecuador-Netherlands game. On today's evidence, uh, I would I would actually... I wouldn't be surprised if it's a draw, even though I had predicted that the Netherlands are going to sweep the entire group. I wouldn't be surprised if it is a draw because Ecuador are very, very hard to break down, possibly even more so than Senegal were. And um, the Netherlands without Depay looking a bit blunt. We'll see. It, it's a really, really interesting group, Qatar notwithstanding. So we'll see what happens there. And if I'm right and the Netherlands do beat Ecuador, that last game between Senegal and Ecuador is going to be a belter. Um, I was going to segue by saying speaking of a belter, but it really wasn't that much of a great game. Uh, the final game of the morning, USA versus uh, Wales. Um, it was a different dynamic again to the to the first two games, but not so much the same dynamic as the Netherlands Senegal. It was a tale of it was a tale of two halves. The cliche, oh, it's a tale of two halves. Every game is a tale of two halves. Fuck off. It's a stupid expression. It's a stupid cliche. But it was a tale of two very different halves. That's that's what we uh, that's what we should start to normalize saying. Uh, it's a tale of two very different halves. Um, I noticed that the the Americans who in the first half were all over the Welsh. Uh, Wales didn't come out very strong. They uh, played with not a lot of energy and not a lot of conviction. Um, but the Americans. For, for for a country that has such a passionate and triumphant uh, uh, national anthem, none of the Americans were singing it passionately. Like, these guys got to watch tapes of Giorgio Chiellini and Gianluigi Buffon belting out the national anthem. Like, there's no better way to rev yourself up in the World Cup or international tournaments than to just... But they weren't. Um, like, you saw uh, Weston McKenney kind of just, like, mouthing it a little bit. And I'm like, do these guys even know the fucking words? But anyway, it was a good half from the Americans. Uh, we saw them go 1-0 up through Tim Weir. Uh, Wales were not very um, good in the first half. Didn't show a lot of quality. And uh, yeah, cool that Tim Weir scored as well because um, you guys know, of course, his dad is um, Liberia's George Weir, the only African player to ever win the Ballon d'Or. Never went to a World Cup because he played for Liberia, who weren't particularly good other than him. And now his son, playing for the United States, scores a World Cup goal. That's pretty cool. I don't really rate Tim Weir very much. I really rate a lot of the American players very much. I think they're vastly overrated, as I mentioned before. Uh, but I did like Tyler Adams in this game. I thought he was, um, I thought he was good in centre midfield uh, for the most part. But this US team just... I don't know if it's the coaching. I don't know if it's because they're young, but they were so immature in the second half. They had no plan B. They had no gumption to see the match through. And I actually think that they should have lost. They started getting frustrated at not being able to dominate the ball. There was a point where Yunus Musa like properly clotheslined and got a yellow card. Um, one of the one of the Welsh wingers, uh, and that eventually told in uh, Walker Zimmerman, uh, which is the most American name I've ever heard in my life. Walker Zimmerman gave away a penalty that was duly converted by Gareth Bale for one all. Uh, honestly, Walker Zimmerman should have just gotten... She, they should have given a penalty for Walker Zimmerman's man bun, which is, is horrible, uh, especially compared to Gareth Bale's majestic uh, and iconic bun, I should say. Um, and the Welsh, the Welsh, like, should have... Should have fucking... They should have won. I really think they should have won. Uh, Ethan Ampadu, who uh, I've... I think he still belongs to Chelsea, but uh, I've been able to watch him quite closely in the last two seasons in Serie A because he's played for Venezia and now Spezia, um, respectively. He was great in the second half. He was really good, came off injured, um, but he was having a cracker 
uh, second half up until that point. And then we had another, you know, in the in the Senegal game, in the second half, there was like seven minutes of injury time. And in this one, there was nine minutes of stoppage time, which ended up turning into 11 minutes of stoppage time, which I don't really understand what for, but sell a V, sell a match. And it, it got, uh, it got, it allowed us to see uh, one of my favorite technical fouls of all time, uh, Acosta, I think his name is, um, there was on, on 100 minutes, on 100 minutes of playing this match, uh, the keeper from uh, the US came way out and cleared the ball with a header and it eventually fell to Gareth Bale and he wound up to shoot from about halfway and I thought if anybody, if anybody has the technique to score from this range in this moment, it's Gareth Bale and it's going to happen and you saw it happening and then Acosta comes in and just fouls the fuck out of him, gets a yellow card, I, I, I truly think saved the point for the US uh, with that moment. So good on you, Acosta, whoever the fuck you are. Uh, good, good, good stuff. Um, now, this leaves uh, both teams on one point, Iran on zero points, England on three points. England are going to mop the floor with both the USA and Wales. Uh, England are much, much better than them, and neither of those teams are particularly impressive. I predicted Iran to go through this group uh in my prediction, and I still want that prediction to come true. I'm not sure if it can, uh, but I think they're in with a shot because at one point each, they could easily leapfrog uh, one of the teams by beating them in the next game. You assume England's going to clean sweep both of them. So as long as Iran can get a result of some kind, a winner to draw against either the uh, USA or Wales, I still think that my prediction could come true, but it's going to take a massive turnaround from Iran and them actually learning to play with some intensity which they haven't in the past either in this world cup or the previous world cup so let's go iran let's turn it around uh so those are the matches uh let me know what you thought of any of the matches and any of my analyses and tonight we've got we've got the first four match night and there's some num, 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 delicious games uh starting with argentina saudi arabia which is at nine o'clock here in the old AUS. And that's going to be, I think that's going to be an England-Iran. I think that could be a, that could be a, a 5-0 job um, to Argentina. I'm looking forward to seeing it, to see Messi and to see how Argentina are going to shape up. Uh, Saudi Arabia suck and they're going to be sucked into Messi's orbit tonight. The next game is Denmark-Tunisia, which I must admit I'm not super excited for, but it will be cool to see sentimental favorite Denmark and how they'll do. And I've also predicted that Tunisia are going to do a lot better than people think, so it'd be interesting to see how they shape up. The next game, super, super cool. I'm really excited for Mexico-Poland. Uh, I think this Mexico team isn't as good as they've been in the last decade or so, uh, and Poland are finally going to do some damage at this World Cup. So I predict that Poland are going to beat Mexico, but it's going to be an amazing game. That one, I think it could be like a 2-3. Um, and that'll be similar to Senegal-Netherlands. It'll be two very well-matched teams with some very good players. And finally, we have France taking on the Socceroos. And even though Karim Benzema has been ruled out of the World Cup, even though I think France are going to not do as well as I predicted uh, a week ago, I actually think that if they do meet England in the quarterfinals, this England team will knock them out now. But I still don't want to see any of the Socceroos defenders face up against Kylian Mbappe uh, because I think tomorrow morning could be a little bit of an unfortunate massacre. And I, I hope to be pleasantly surprised, 
but we'll see. Uh, we'll see. So four great games tonight. Uh, I think I just gave my predictions for it um, belatedly, but you know you can watch the previous episode where I do the World Cup preview to see how correct I've been. I'm still on a 100% record after two match days. So what's well, on two match days? It's two nights of football. It's still the first match day. Uh, this is a technicality that you guys should get your head around. Um, this has been Mr. Sitter, uh, episode five overall, and uh, episode two as far as this World Cup rally goes. Thank you so much for being with me, uh, and catch you guys tomorrow. Enjoy the football. Let's play that fucking theme music. Uh, if everything about me didn't give it away, I'm a soccer guy. I play against the computer only. Because if I lose and I throw a tantrum, the computer isn't going to send me messages all week calling me sad shit dick. But the higher teams are probably a little bit too advanced for the drills that I pinched off the FIFA loading screen. Bro, Mo Salah is putting Egypt on the map. You better start giving some energy and some love for Mr. Anthony Locascio! He's the greatest player in the world.